So Steve said so this morning we are starting uh, our new series on the Lord's Prayer um, and inviting us into this space of prayer I think is really important um, always but hopefully really appropriate at this um, this time. I, found, I need to find new words to say instead of just keeping saying in this season. Um, someone told me that's the Christian version of in these unprecedented times. Um, but <laughs> In this time, as we are still the people of God, but we are experiencing that um, in, a, in a way that's unusual, in a way where we're a bit separated from each other, prayer is something that unites us. Jesus says that when we pray together in his name, he is present with us. And I think we experience his presence in prayer, whether we're praying in small groups, whether we're praying uh, over Zoom, or whether we're praying um, at the same time without even um, being aware of each other's presence. And the beauty of the Lord's Prayer, or what we're going to call the King Jesus Prayer, um, is that it's a prayer that we get to pray along with people all around the world. There are people today in every language and tongue who are going to be praying the same prayer that we're going to be praying. Uh, and I don't know about you, I think that's, that's corporate worship. That's joining in something together and that's amazing. I actually want to share with you um, just a couple of photos. Let's see if I can do this again. Gosh, where'd it go? There we go. Back to Gian. Um, <laughs> In Israel, uh, on the side of the Mount of Olives, there's this church. It's called the Paternoster Church. Uh, Paternoster in Latin means our father. And this church is on the site traditionally ascribed to where Jesus sat down with his disciples and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, and Jesus taught them a very simple prayer, but actually really profound prayer. Uh, and a prayer that if you pray it seriously is life transforming and I would say world transforming because it's a prayer that uh, invites us to align ourselves with God and what God is seeking to do in the world. And it transforms us. If we pray the Lord's Prayer seriously, we will become people who are hallowing of God's name and people who are forgiving of one another and people uh, who are delivered from evil and people who are kingdom people. But this church here, one of the cool things about it is that on the walls of the church is the Lord's Prayer in thousands of languages. But literally there are over a thousand different languages which uh, with the Lord's Prayer on the walls of this church. And it was actually a challenge to walk all the way around and try and find ones we recognized. Uh, this is the original Aramaic and Hebrew. Uh, there's even Braille, Hebrew and English. Uh, and then of course you eventually find, oh, there's the one that I'm most familiar with uh, for some reason in the King James Version, the art and the thine, uh, because it has been not only something that's prayed all around the world, but prayed throughout history. And although we pray it in different languages, this prayer links us back to the disciples and to all of the disciples around the world and throughout history. And so what we're going to do for the next few weeks is uh, spend some time sitting in this prayer and praying this prayer together. Each Sunday, we're going to look at a different line of the prayer, just at one line uh, and, and how it invites us to pray. And then throughout the week afterwards, we're going to do some daily posts on our Facebook page and Instagram, and we can uh, get them out to you in other ways if you let us know how else you'd like to receive them, uh, which are going to invite us to keep reflecting on that part of the prayer uh, and challenge us to practice that, to see what it looks like day by day to sit in this prayer. I know sometimes people have had an experience of this prayer which feels uh, maybe a little bit rote. You can say the words off by heart um, without really thinking about them. But the beauty of a prepared prayer like this, a prayer that Jesus has taught us, is that we can sit in it uh, and the words are so familiar that we don't have to think about what we are going to say, but in fact we can focus on what we are saying, uh, what, what we are saying means, <laughs> on the depth and the um, 
the practice and the power of what we are saying. So that's our invitation as a community over this season and we hope that these next few weeks, um, yeah, God will be really speaking to us about prayer as a community. So this morning, uh, I'm just going to look at the first line of the King Jesus prayer, which is simply this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The very first word of this prayer is the one that has captured me probably the most this week, our. This prayer starts not individually, but communally. It's not a prayer that I pray, it's a prayer that we pray. Our Father. We are praying alongside our sisters and brothers in this community, from every tribe and every tongue, from throughout history. And so this prayer unites us uh, and unites us in what we are seeking of God, uh, in who we are as the children of God. And that seemed really appropriate, particularly this week. Obviously, last Sunday, we celebrated Pentecost and we had that great video where we had people from across our community uh, speaking in different languages or reading the, the text in different languages to represent that we are united no matter our background, our race, our colour, our gender, our creed. Uh, we are all invited by the Holy Spirit to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And then, of course, this week, not only has it been Reconciliation Week here in Australia, but the issue of racial injustice has really exploded in the um, contemporary imagination, I guess, or in the, in the media, in social media, uh, in, across our country yesterday um, with those who gathered as a part of that. What does the King Jesus prayer have to say into that? Well, there's going to be a lot that we'll come to when it talks about God's will being done and God's kingdom coming and, and what that looks like in practice. But I love that this first word actually unites us in what we are seeking. It's a prayer that we pray together and we seek to be answered together and for all of us. We can't pray this prayer if we think that King Jesus is just for me or just for people like me. The hour in this prayer also reminds us that prayer is not just something that is private and individual. That's certainly the way that I grew up when I first became a Christian. Prayer was something that you were invited to do by yourself, usually in a very quiet place. And there's definitely a time and a place for that. And God works when we meet with him in the intimacy of our personal relationship with him. But throughout the scriptures, throughout the history of the church, throughout the experience of what Jesus teaches his disciples, prayer is something we do together. And there is power, Jesus says, in the unity of our prayers that when we are praying in his name as the gathered people, as recognizing that we are present with one another, those are the prayers that change the world. And so we pray that this, I pray that this prayer uh, might be as radical for us today as it was for Jesus' first followers. I may not spend too long on every single word of this line, or we could be here for a while, but our Father, the fatherhood of God, uh, is a topic we could again probably talk about for weeks what it means that Jesus has revealed to us that God is not distant, God is not separated from us, but God has actually made himself known to us as Father and invited us to become his children and to be a part of his family. I don't know if you remember last year, uh, Elliot preached one week on a wonderful prayer of Paul's that's found in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, and he actually preached the whole sermon as a prayer. He started on his knees. Um, and that prayer in Ephesians 3 starts with Paul saying, For this reason, I kneel before the Father in whose name, uh, sorry, in whom every member of his family derives their name. 
And that prayer sort of starts with this idea that we start with God as Father and then that is what unites us because we are all his children. We belong to each other, we're family, we are brothers and sisters because we are all children of God. Or as John says in his letter, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. It's kind of the, uh, the heart of what Jesus came to reveal uh, is that God wants to be in this intimate relationship, not just with me, but with us as his family. From the very beginnings of God uh, calling people in the Old Testament, he used this idea of connection and said, I will be your God and you'll be my people. And there was this idea of relationship that we can be in relationship with God. And that in itself is, is mind blowing that the God and the creator of the universe would want to be in relationship with us. But in King Jesus, this relationship gets really specific that God is our father and that we are his children. It's the father from whom we derive our identity. We get our name. It shapes who we are and every part of what we do. We carry with us that family identity into all that we do. And so again, if we're going to pray this prayer seriously and we're going to start by saying our father, then we are accepting that intimate relationship with him, that love that he has poured out on us. And we're accepting the relationship we have with one another and with all of those who call him Father, united as his people, responding to what he is saying and doing amongst us. And then the, the final part of that first line, our Father in heaven. Now this could just be, you could read this just as well, I'm, I'm clarifying that I'm not talking to you know the Father uh, that I have here on earth. So maybe if I was praying with my literal brothers and sisters and said, our Father, you could mistake that I was talking to my dad. I don't think that's what Jesus is trying to do here. Uh, in the original, it actually is our Father in the heavens or in the heavenly realm. And it's this idea that although God is intimately connected to us in this family relationship, he still remains who he is, which is the God of all power and authority reigning over the universe, over all powers and principalities, over everything that is and was and has been and will be. Our Father in heaven, this is about the authority and reign of God. We are not just asking someone uh, who might be able to help us, who might listen to what we have to say and think about whether they respond. We are bringing ourselves into the presence of the one who has all power and all authority. And so we take prayer seriously because God has the power to act in response to what we ask of him. And God will move and do things in this world when we come together and pray as his children. There's lots of illustrations that people have used over the years of this, of you know, men in powerful positions who then their small child comes to them and asks them for something and they are granted you know, something beyond their wildest dreams because of the power of their father. Uh, I think there's a very famous photo when JFK was president of his little three-year-old son sitting under the desk in the Oval Office in the White House, a room that all kinds of really powerful people have longed to get into and here's this tiny child who can just freely crawl in there. But this idea that both God is our Father and our Father is God <laughs> means that our prayers are effective and powerful. What does it mean to take seriously? that we are asking the God of the universe when we bring to him our requests and our desires. 
Well, in this first part of the Lord's Prayer, there's just one request. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it is one of those that kind of uh, annoys me a little bit that we're stuck with the King James because it's so well known. Because I'm not sure that anyone today really uses the word hallow or hallowed. And so it seems a bit inaccessible. What does it mean to pray hallowed be your name? Well, to get a little bit nerdy on you and to give you a bit of a grammar lesson, <laughs> uh, in the Greek in the, of the New Testament, this is a second person imperative. So it's kind of a command. It is us uh, directing God to do something or requesting something. But it's something that we are asking God to do. That's the second person. We are asking it of God. So this isn't something that we do. It's something that we are asking God himself to do with himself or with his name that God would hallow his own name or make his own name holy and the reason I point that out is because I think it's sometimes been interpreted this prayer as if it's something that we have to do so we're praying that God's name be hallowed it means God's name needs to be uh, taken seriously and so this is really about not swearing and not taking the name of the Lord in vain now that's a good thing not to do uh, and we want to take the name of our God seriously but this prayer uh, this prayer is about something so much more Eugene Peterson, in his translation, The Message, translates this verse as God, reveal who you are. Reveal who you are. Make yourself known. This is a prayer that God himself would reveal his holiness, would make known his otherness to the world. Because that's what hallowed means. Hallowed means to make holy or to reveal what is holy to show that which is other and set apart and different. So essentially all the things that make God, God, the power and the authority and the love and the creative force and the beauty and the compassion and the mercy and the kindness and the wisdom, all those words that uh, we shared a few weeks ago, if you remember when we sent those words around and everyone got one in the mail and we described and named and confessed the character of God, all of those things, the character of God in all its fullness, we are praying that God would make it known, that God would reveal it and that it would be seen. And I think that's a prayer that causes me to slow down because I can rush through this first line of the Lord's Prayer trying to get to the next bits that are more about me. <laughs> but what does it mean for me to genuinely ask God to reveal the fullness of who he is in my life, in our church, in our neighborhood, in our world. As most of you know, I live in the city. And so uh, yesterday I wandered down to uh, nearby Victoria Square um, during the, the gathering or the protest. Um, I didn't quite get in the middle of it because I wasn't quite sure about how comfortable I felt about this and social distancing we've been doing suddenly being thrown out the window. But to see this huge gathering of people crying out for justice in our country I found really challenging uh, and then I bumped into a friend who's also a Baptist pastor and we stood there and we said where is the church where is God being made known in the midst of this now I don't want you to hear that wrongly because there were a lot of Aboriginal speakers and a lot of our Aboriginal leaders in our community in our state are Christians are followers of Jesus so God was present there his people were present there um, but in the sense of, you know, what is the church's response to something like this? If we are the people who are praying that God would be made visible, that God would be know made known in our world, what does it look like? And we didn't have any easy answers. 
And now, I guess, impulse was what should we be doing? And then I said, well, I'm, pray- I'm preaching tomorrow on prayer. And so maybe the question is, what should we be praying? How seriously have I taken the time to bring this whole situation, what's happening in the world at the moment, what's happening in our country, what's happening in our community before God in prayer, expecting and asking that he would make himself known in the midst of it, that his justice would be revealed, that his truth would be made evident, that his compassion and kindness would be seen to all. Do I really believe that prayer is powerful? I was convicted and challenged by that. I don't know about you, um, but it made me, made me ask myself, how much time do I spend doing and participating and being a part and how much time do I spend praying? And those two things aren't separate. They go hand in hand, they go together. But when am I on my knees for our country, for our world, for our neighborhood, crying out to God to make himself known? And that's, I guess, what I wanted to invite us into this morning. Now, before I get there, before we actually pray, because there's no point talking about prayer and that's we actually do it. The final part of this line, hallowed be your name, is probably worth a mention. God's name throughout the Bible represents his character. It represents the fullness of who he is. But again, I feel like it ties these two ideas together really nicely, both of the amazing might and incredible breadth and depth of his holiness and otherness and majesty and the intimacy of the relationship that he invites us into all captured in this idea of his name i remember way back now quite a while ago when i was first starting bible college my first ever theology lecture and our lecturer said to us what is you know what is the most important characteristic or attribute of god Uh, And I think he was trying to spark a bit of a debate, you know, is it God's love? Is it God's holiness? Is it God's power? Is it God's mercy? All of the different things uh, that God reveals himself to be. And then he suggested to us that it is the fact that God has made his name known to us. Because without God giving us his name, would we be able to know any of those other things about him? And I never really thought about it that way before. Um, But if you think about when you meet someone, It's when they exchange their name with you that you can begin a relationship. Before that, they're kind of just a person who's either there functionally, you know, has a a task uh, or someone that you're gonna go to pass by. But when someone gives you their name, they are inviting you in some way to know them and to get to know them and to be in relationship with them and all the other parts of who they are are follow on from that. I hope that's what we do as part of our community. I know a few people have mentioned one of the positives of using Zoom is we actually get to see each other's names and so we're learning each other's names because we have like a little name tag every week on our screen. But there's something important and special about knowing someone's name. And the God of the universe has chosen to reveal his name to us and to invite us to pray that that name would be made known to all. In the Old Testament, that name, the personal name that God revealed himself by was the name Yahweh. And so we could pray this prayer that uh, the name Yahweh be hallowed and the fullness of who God is revealed in the Old Testament. But this is the King Jesus prayer. The name above every other name, the New Testament tells us, is the name of Jesus. Hallowed be the name of Jesus. Revealed, set apart, made known, impacting and working in the world. The name of Jesus. Where and how can that be our prayer? 
It invites us into relationship, but I think it also invites us into position of humility. As we submit to Jesus as King, we seek to align ourselves to him and without wanting to step on the toes of, I think it's Elliot who's preaching next week, we pray that his will and not ours would be done. And so I wanted to finish this morning by inviting us to spend some time in prayer. And we've been reflecting on this series and um, some of the other series we've done previously on prayer and on on psalms and expressions. And and one of the things about prayer that can be really helpful uh, is the posture that we take in prayer. Both the posture kind of metaphorically, which is something Elliot loves to talk about, our posture towards one another and towards the world, but also our physical posture. The Bible invites us to engage our whole selves in prayer and sometimes uh, just closing our eyes and speaking words becomes a little bit like a thought exercise. But engaging our whole bodies and our whole selves and our whole community in prayer uh, can be another way of reminding us how seriously we want to take this and how transformative for our lives and for the world prayer can actually be. And again, it's just something that's a little bit odd on Zoom, but I'm gonna ask you to do something in a minute that you might find a little bit strange. I'm gonna ask you to stop just staring at your screen. I'm probably sick of looking at me anyway. And I'm gonna invite you to join me on your knees, if you can. I know that that's not possible for everyone, but if it's possible for you, wherever you are, to kneel, uh, it doesn't matter if your face disappears from the screen. I'm pretty sure that my face is going to disappear from my screen if I kneel here because uh, the floor is a little bit further down. So you might look a little bit odd like me or Sophie's just coming to move my camera. Look at this. Um, but I want to invite you to join me in kneeling in a position of humility before God, our Father and King Jesus. And I want us to pray together this prayer. So how we're going to pray is I'm going to start and invite you to say out loud with me, wherever you are, this simple line of the prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then I'm going to leave some time and some space and I might pray some other bits and pieces. And then at the end, I'm going to invite you again to join me in saying those words, not just as words, but as our cry and our declaration to King Jesus, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, ours, together, alongside one another in this community, alongside people from every generation of the church throughout history, alongside people of every colour and tribe and tongue. Our Father. Our Father, the one who loves us as his children, who welcomes us, cherishes us, delights in us, and gives us our family identity so that we belong to you and to one another. Our Father. Our Father in heaven. Our Father who reigns and rules, who has all power and authority. Our Father in heaven, this is to whom we pray. And this morning, here is our one request Hallowed be your name hallowed be your name 
holy, made holy, revealed to be holy, shown to be holy, be your name. God, make yourself known. Reveal who you are. Make yourself known to us. Make yourself known in our lives. Make yourself known in this church. Make yourself known in our community, in our city. Make yourself known in our world. We pray that your name, your character, the fullness of who you are and the invitation to relationship with you would be known and heard and understood and proclaimed and received and responded to. On our knees this morning, together we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Amen.